It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary. Maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth, you probably should pay them, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine Monday through Friday. This is our Tuesday program. We're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King, back at you with a lot to talk about today. Uh, some adjustments from the Bulls on the starting lineup. Marcus Smart and Jimmy Butler, and we want to figure out who exactly is about that life. Uh, some, some, some real like it's not often that Patriots news affects the Celtics, but oh, such sad stuff today. Patriots with their personnel moves, it's going to really change Celtics games. But Jay King, in our pre-pod discussion, has promised some. Uh, pointed words at Bulls coach Fred Hoiberg, who, as we talked about in last night's show, spent a good amount of time in his podium uh, session bemoaning the fact that Isaiah Thomas continues to be allowed to discontinue his dribble and get away with it. And Oh, my God, all hell's breaking loose because we can't stop Isaiah Thomas when you let him dribble like every other freaking guard in the NBA dribbles. But... So with that said, both both sides reacted today. Jay, you were on the conference call with, with Coach Stevens. I will cede the floor to you, sir. I just think that was maybe the single dumbest complaint I have ever heard from an NBA coach after a playoff game. I mean, I, I get it when you complain about fouls. I get it when you complain about this or that. But to complain about carries in the year 2017, when we probably went through a whole NBA season where there were like five carry calls total in the entire season by every single player combined, to, to come out here and say that the reason that you cannot guard Isaiah Thomas is because he's carrying the basketball 
is one of the most outrageous complaints I have ever heard in my life. Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade carry the basketball just like Isaiah Thomas does. Every other star carries the basketball just like Isaiah Thomas does. There are kids growing up 11, 12 years old who are carrying just like Isaiah Thomas does (laughs) because everybody in the NBA carries it just like Isaiah Thomas does. This isn't like he's out there like with his hand underneath the basketball doing like skip to my Lou moves. This is normal dribble moves. It's it's not at all preposterous what he's doing out there. It's 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 just normal crossovers, normal dribble moves. And the fact that Hoiberg decided to make that his his big point of contention in in, in the press conference. I, I mean it sounded just like a desperate desperate move. Because now, if the refs call a carry on Isaiah Thomas, it will be it will be sad because they'll be listening to this desperate coach who was moaning about God knows what. And I I really hope that Jimmy Butler gets called for one. one I was just I would, gonna say that I, I want would, the first whistle to be a carry on Butler or Wade. It was and. and and I, I I will give Hoiberg credit. Like he's he started his his rant with like uh, Isaiah is a warrior. I respect everything he's done with with his sister passing away and everything like that. Yada yada yada. But come on, man! Like just yeah. just shut up. It's carrying. This is carrying. Like it's, it's this is not- the single dumbest gripe I have heard in the NBA in a long long. Time and there have been a lot of gripes throughout the years, but to to gripe about carrying the basketball is just outrageous. Meanwhile, they've got Jerry and Grant, Michael Carter Williams, and Isaiah Cannon guarding Isaiah Thomas. Like, what the hell do you expect? It doesn't matter if he's dribbling like Koozie in 1950. Like, (laughs) this is not going to change. He is still going to get 25 to 30 points. He is still going to decimate all your bum ass guards. Like Jesus, Fred, take take it easy next time. <laughs> That's good. That was a quality rant. Yeah, I would Thanks. love for the the refs to just troll the shit out of Hoiberg, and the first call of the game have it be a uh, a carry on either Wade or Butler, just to give it back to him. They could make a, an equally crappy makeup call on the other side. Just I would be all for it, even it out, but just to give, just like tweak him a little bit, like, oh, really? Oh, really? All right. Boom. Here's a carry on your star player. Shut up. Uh, I love Hit that. Bobby Portis with a carrying violation. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I will say that I, I think one lesson learned in the past week or so in the NBA is if you're going to have a post game rant taken seriously, you got to be cool. It's got to be super cool. Like Fizdale had his post game rant. That was a cool rant. That was a good post game podium rant. He dropped a couple of catchphrases in there. They started to make t-shirts out of the catchphrases that he dropped in that rant, you know, slam the pen down, take that, take that for data. Like, that was quality stuff. You're not going to rook me. That is quality 
ranting going on by Fizdale. They're not going to put uh, he's unguardable if you allow him to continue to discontinue his dribble. That's not T-shirt stuff, Fred Hoiberg. If you're going to no. put a rant out there, you got to get concise. You got to be cool about it, and you got to make it like you got to get a, a catchphrase. So take some notes. Fizdale's post game rant was cool. Question. Yeah. What do you think it would take for Brad Stevens to go on a rant about the referees during the playoffs? Oh, um, it would have to be like egregious. Like it would have to, it would have to end up in one of his guys getting injured or it something would have to be like, like three Tim Donaghy's at, at once. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be so bad. He he will someday. Someday he will have that in him because it goes along with I said with what I said preseason that he's slowly marching towards on the scale of aw shucks to Coach Popovich. He's slowly incrementally making his way towards the pop side of things. Nowhere close. Nowhere close yet. But he 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 has it in him. But yeah, it would have to be a bunch of no calls. That ended up getting like Isaiah hurt in the end, and he'd have to he'd have to like come out and be like, "You you guys basically cost me my player because you wouldn't protect him out there from getting his ass kicked." Like that's, it, I don't know, it, but whatever he did, it would be much more devastating than what Hoiberg did. I agree. It was not only was it a stupid rant, it just poorly delivered. It was just. I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing was silly. He doesn't even normally complain, so for him to like come out and talk about discontinued dribbles, just yeah, that's fine. Just shut up, Fred. Someone needs, <laughs> someone needs to stuff Fred in a locker, man. <laughs> I have a feeling that he's been stuffed in a locker once or twice. No, no, hell no. He's he come was an NBA player, man. He was the yeah. mayor. I don't know. Well, maybe he would have benefited from that. Uh, so, okay. Uh, also in this little Celtics bulls kind of scenario, the, the dust ups that have been coming along, Marcus smart getting underneath Jimmy Butler's skin a little bit. And Jimmy Butler talking tough after the game, calling Marcus smart, a fake tough guy. And saying he's not about this life. Uh, Marcus, and, Marcus is is very much <laughs> about that life. Like, <laughs> like when you talk about like 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 you you think about Bane and he was like what was he bo- born into darkness or whatever whatever it was like raised in darkness. Like Marcus Smart and Jimmy Butler, those guys were both really much about that life. Those guys, <laughs> I, I would love to see a brawl between those two guys and i'm not advocating for a real basketball fight because it'll never happen if it did they would both get ejected it would probably benefit the celtics but still marcus i don't recommend you doing that but that being said if it happened (laughs) it would be like two guys i don't think that fight would ever end I think they would fight to the death. Fight to the death. And then whoever died would be like from the grave just just throwing haymakers. Right. You would the the winner would lose because the loser would end up haunting the winner throughout life. 
and just <laughs> constantly it would just be an epic battle for the ages. Uh, I agree. Like I don't know. It, that's I guess basketball. Like as much as I love basketball and 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 everything, there's no the there's no fighting. There's none of that stuff exists in the NBA. It's all it's all fake. Like uh, at at some point, it's it, there is a, a truth to the fakeness of it, but that's for everybody because no one wants to get kicked out. No one wants to be suspended for five games, ten games, or or more, depending on what happens. But in a schoolyard, like if they if these guys were out in the playground and that stuff went down, it would it would be on. That would be that would be an epic battle. But gone are the days of Robert Parrish dropping three four haymakers on Bill Lambeer and getting a two shot foul out of it. <laughs> Not even a side out of bounds. <laughs> Those days are gone. That would be uh, our guy Mike Dynan shared it on his Twitter because uh, what's his name? Uh, the referee passed away, Cursey, uh, uh, and he was he was there refereeing that game where Parrish just dropped Bill Lambeer with three shots right on the top of the head, pop pop pow, and he stayed in the game. Nobody got kicked out. Nowadays, if that had happened. Holy shit, there'd be a week-long suspension. Like, if Robert Parrish might miss the rest of the playoffs for something like that. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Why don't we get back to some basketball here? Because uh, Let's talk about it, because this is the playoffs, and it's a 2-2 series. It's a 2-2 series. Now, here's a question. I, I'm trying to get my head around how this we got to 2-2 here, and... And I never want to have tragedy be the excuse, but when you look at the way the Celtics lost the first two games and the way they've kind of carried themselves in the next two, I, I can't help but think that the that uh, tragic situation for Isaiah Thomas played such a significant role in games one and two that uh, that I think I the mistakes that the Celtics were making were compounded. They, they were still making mistakes. They were making some of the same mistakes they've made in games three and four where they blew leads. But it was so much worse emotionally in those first two games that they never – that all they did was unravel for the most part. Like they were just constantly unraveling. So just – I want to get your perspective on just the atmosphere – because you're you were in Chicago with these guys, you saw you know we saw Isaiah smiling. We saw some. We we kept hearing about how he's is kind of not back to himself, but he's a little bit more energetic. So I don't know if you could compare like the the atmosphere of the first two games versus the atmosphere of the second two games. It couldn't have been more, more different, and especially game one. Game one was the most like heart-wrenching atmosphere I've I've ever witnessed in a basketball locker room. It was like Isaiah was clearly devastated and no one else knew how to react and they just they just didn't have any type of positive energy because 
like like you'd think you want to lift him up, right? But instead, they were like trying to just let him be, and and they didn't want to be happy around him because they knew no matter what he wasn't going to be happy with them, and it was like a complete lack of positive energy everywhere. And then before game three, you could see him like like he was he was starting to smile. He he was like laughing around with with assistant coach. Jerome Allen in his pregame warmups, and he was not necessarily back to himself, but but kind of a lot more like Isaiah Thomas than he had been, and very understandably had been the the previous two games. So I I think you know all the all the players, the coaches have said it, it's it's been a huge difference to see Isaiah smiling ha, has just brought on this huge change. And then Kevin Garnett, you know, had that voicemail, delivered that voicemail to the team. And part of it was talking about Isaiah Thomas and Isaiah Thomas's sister and how the Celtics have to honor his sister. And when he played that for the team, and it, I think it kind of energized them to, to say, okay, we don't have to avoid this anymore. We can kind of use this to, to fuel us. And, and maybe that's just me overreacting. Maybe maybe that's not exactly what happened. But that's what it felt like from from everything. And the energy was just completely different. And obviously, the Rondo injury shifted things. And, and going small changed things a lot. But but between games two and three, Brad Stevens' biggest his biggest thing was he wanted them to to find joy again in playing basketball. And like they weren't, they weren't having fun in games one and two. They were sniping at each other. They were unraveling, like you said. And then game three, I, I think part of throwing Gerald Green into that starting lineup was <laughs> let's throw some energy, let's throw some good vibes out there, and let's let's just get it rocking out there. And, and they did. And games three and four were were a completely different feel. And now here they come back for game five, and they're back in control of the series. Yeah, I and this is why I, I really feel like the first two games, I don't want to say you can throw them out, but they I, I feel like game three and game four were much more along the lines of what we expected from this series. And again, it, Rondo being out is a huge thing, it, which is kind of weird to say nowadays, but it is. It's a big, big deal. He played so well. He was so disruptive. But I think now if the Celtics go home and have the type of performance that they should have going home with – it's almost like a do-over. You, you went to Chicago. You erased everything. You kind of get a do-over here at home in game five. If you come out with some strong energy and put up another fast start, push it out to 20 again, and then hopefully maybe just once, please don't blow this lead this time, then you put Chicago in a position where any sort of lead that you take in game six could be where Chicago just folds. And, and look, like like we're talking about this, like there was this huge change. And I, I do think, like like you don't want to give the Celtics an excuse, but but this isn't an excuse. Like this is real life shit. And to 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 
be inside that locker room and feel what it was like, it was drastically different than the preparation for any other game, and especially for a playoff game when, when like the Bulls were all talking about being locked in and and this and that, and the Celtics were were dealing with tragedy. And I I, I don't think personally that enough has been made of it because. Because, it, like again, like I said, you don't want to give them an excuses. You don't want to take away from the Bulls, who were great in games one and two. But, but the tragedy, like that, shook up everything. And, and, but, but back to game four, like if Isaiah Thomas doesn't rescue the Boston Celtics in the last five minutes of the third quarter and the early fourth quarter, then we're not talking like this. The Celtics are down three one, and suddenly they're facing elimination. So. Isaiah Thomas was absolutely enormous. I I can't say enough about how much he just took over that the end of that third quarter. They were down to everybody was just crumbling. Marcus Smart was doing stupid crap. <laughs> like they weren't they weren't finding good shots. They were they were getting mutilated by Jimmy Butler and Isaiah Thomas came out swaggering back with four fouls and just destroyed them. And I will say it was ahead. all layups. It was all layups. A yeah. five foot nine dude was getting all layups, whether for him or his teammates, and just barking at dudes and woofing at dudes, and then it was all over and that was it. Yeah. That was the game. Um I will say that in in the third quarters, critical critical junctures in the third quarters of games three and games four, uh the Brad Stevens came up with a couple of wrinkles that Chicago had no answer for. And game three, it was the stagger screens. And Chicago had no clue how to handle what they were doing with the stagger screens. They scored on like four straight plays with it. Game four, they come out and they set that super, super high pick and roll where Isaiah Thomas is basically two feet over half court and Al Horford comes all the way out to the jump circle to set a screen, and all of a sudden, Brooke Lopez is way above the three-point line. I mean, I'm sorry, Robin Lopez, sorry. He's played like Brooke Lopez through most of the He has, yes, right. Uh, Robin Lopez is way up three, four, five feet behind, uh, uh, above the three-point line trying to guard Isaiah Thomas. Now, Isaiah Thomas gets past his defender, he gets past Lopez, and he's somewhere around the free throw line with two two guys behind him and another guy basically at his hip. And it's still because he's Isaiah and he's 5'9", takes an uh, a, a incredible finish because when Miritich comes over to, to challenge, he's still a big guy that can challenge the shot, even though he's not a tremendous rim protector by any stretch. But it's still a big guy that you got to get past. But that that wrinkle of pushing that pick way, way out there and giving Isaiah all that space, you heard him after the game say, to get downhill, that's a brilliant move. And it gives, and it I, takes advantage of Isaiah's skills. And I think Chicago helped there too because they were picking him up full court. And, yeah. And when you pick, pick up full court, you – you open yourself to, to stuff like that. Whereas if you're picking up closer to the three point arc, that's not the same issue. Um, and, and it I, did speed up the Celtics for a while. It, it forced them into doing some, some dumb stuff. But then when Isaiah Thomas came back on the court with four fouls, he was just like, nah, guys, yeah, <laughs> sorry, bros. 
it's it's over. We're 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 tying this series up, and there's there's nothing you can do to stop me. So game five will start with the matchup of Isaiah's, which kind of gave the Celtics the most trouble so far with with Cannon and, and uh, Thomas, at least. For the Bulls, from their perspective, it wasn't Carter Williams. It wasn't Jerry and Grant. But even if this works, even if this gives them a little bit of trouble, which I can't imagine that Isaiah Cannon is going to be the guy that ultimately shuts down Isaiah Thomas or gives him fits. But even if he does, let's just give him that benefit of the doubt. At some point, you still have to find you. You have to play Carter Williams or Grant. Somebody you have to play somebody sometime because you can't play Cannon forty minutes, forty five minutes. They, they still have a lot of really bad players that they have to play. So I still, even though they're going to counter with that expected wrinkle. The Celtics, if they come out and just do what they've been doing and play disciplined basketball, and if they can, and they didn't shoot particularly well, and they haven't been shooting particularly well in this series, if they can get back to some of that more comfortable home cooking and and shoot a little bit better from three, that can just completely change game five and and make it a little bit different from what games three and four were and maybe avoid some of those collapses or maybe build up a lead that's so big that even if you give away a bunch of it you still manage to to have a double digit lead yeah i mean you look at at game four and they won by nine points despite the fact that isaiah thomas avery bradley and jay crowder their three best three point shooters were three for 19 from beyond the arc and now obviously you get four made threes from Gerald Green but he ended up four for nine which isn't like completely outrageous and they shot 27 percent as a team they got all the right shots like they were really stretching out the bulls really getting the shots they wanted and with the exception of that third quarter stretch I thought where they got sped up and they did some some dumb stuff they were getting very much what they wanted and and I don't I don't know now that they're playing small and playing skilled all the time that the Bulls have any chance of stopping them. The Bulls, just, like you said, they they just don't have depth. Like the fact that Isaiah Cannon is is their answer, and he was good. Like he had a good game four. He was solid, but but the reason why he was effective was mostly because he wasn't Jerry Grant or Michael Carter Williams, <laughs> who have just been disasters. And and even so, the Bulls still made just five threes. They were five for 25, I think they ended up. And like they just don't have enough shooting to, to space the floor around Jimmy Butler. And they, they can try to attack the switches when, when Boston switches Isaiah onto Jimmy. They They can try to do a lot of things, but in the end, it's like, Boston just has a lot easier of a time getting good looks and quality looks from good players. And one of these days, like Jake Crowder is going to hit his shots, Isaiah Thomas is going to hit his threes, and the Celtics are going to really pour it on the Celtics because the shot profiles between the two teams have been drastically different and drastically better for Boston. 
And if they if they start hitting shots like they're capable of, then I, I think one of these games could get pretty ugly for Chicago. Yeah, I agree. That, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. I'm kind of waiting for it all to come together. Uh, I don't think there's Chicago just doesn't have enough to like when both teams are playing the way they've played all season long, Chicago just doesn't have enough. They, they won games one and two because not only did the Celtics implode, like we said, they, they did, but Robin Lopez was a monster for two games. And then Bobby Portis had a game that had a bunch of people coming out of the woodworks to say Danny Ainge is an idiot for not drafting him. And then uh, who was it? Zipser had a big game in one of those. So they need the the Bulls. They need the Celtics to be terrible. And they need not just for Jimmy Butler to be the best player on the floor. They need another guy to come up with the who the hell is this guy and why is he scoring on us type of game. Like, And this goes back to like when Denver beat us. Or uh, th- you know those early season ridiculous losses where there was the random guy that was killing the Celtics. Like, why is this guy killing us right now? Who the hell is this guy? So they need that, and they can certainly get it. I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't get it. It just I think now with the Celtics kind of getting more into a groove, figuring out their rotation a little bit, calming down coming up with good counterattacks to Chicago's adjustments. All of that stuff is coming together now, and I think that the Celtics can withstand whatever the Bulls throw at them. So that's that's my opinion. And I think, I think Game 5, that first home game now, back after all the crap that they've been through, I think, I think they're primed to come out strong in, in Game 5. We'll see if, if it works out. But if they come out and they start hitting some of those threes – then it, that could be the type of game that that hurts Chicago a lot. And the question is now, Rajon Rondo took the, the the cast off of his wrist. I saw Gary Washburn tweet out, I think it was Washburn, saying that it's, it's really unlikely that he would come back. But we're sitting here thinking like, it would be totally like Rondo to just suit up and come back. If, if the Celtics were... I'm almost surprised they didn't play with a cast on. <laughs> yeah, four, seriously. You know? <laughs> if it was, I tell you what, if it was his non-shooting hand, I bet you he would have. If it was his non-dominant hand, I, he probably would have. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. And, and the fact that he has the cast off, you, you know he's thinking to himself like, all right, I'm, I'm going to play. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no way they'll get me out of this series. He's, he's Rondo. I mean, he played with a dislocated elbow. Like, it was his elbow was literally just dangling at his side. He could barely move it. And yeah. he played, what, 12 minutes on a torn ACL. Like, this, yep. is, this is one of the toughest dudes in I the think NBA. Love him, hate is. him, whatever, whatever you feel about him. That is a tough, tough dude. No doubt. I think the, the, the one, there, there, there are a couple of things here that make this different and I, where I don't think he'll come back or if he tries, it won't be, it won't be nearly what it won't be very effective at all. Uh, one, it's his dominant hand that really, really hurts because that if he's going to make passes, it's going to have to be, and he can make passes with his left hand. I remember 
how many times did Mike Gorman say over the course of Rondo's Celtics career, he's the best right-handed left-hand, left-hand passer that I've seen. So he can do that. He can be very, you know, he can make some very nice passes with his left hand, but without the threat of his right hand, that really, really hurts. And secondly, it's his thumb. If it was any other finger, I think he would probably try to figure out some sort of contraption. But the thumb just control that you can't. The, a thumb is like the most debilitating injury. You forget what amazing evolution humans have come up with to have this opposable thumb. It's a it's, it it just if you take away the thumb, you just it's, you can't do shit. Ray, so Jays, you you come here for the science talk. Yeah. Uh, Quote, unquote, good quality opposable thumb talk thumb, you can't do shit that is a can't do scientific shit. talk why do you we think mobsters broke thumbs that's why <laughs> they break you break your thumbs you're just useless you can't do anything you can't even wipe your own ass it's you you, you need the thumb you need the I, thumb i bet i could wipe my ass without a thumb try it it'll be very difficult <laughs> you'll be very you'll be very happy to have use of your opposable thumb <laughs> Uh, I'm about right. that I, life, man. You're, I don't think you're about that life. <laughs> uh, Rondo's the, about that life, though. Rondo, I'll never put anything past Rondo. I'm sure he'll try. A uh, couple of other little tidbits before we go. The The Patriots made a signing that's going to have a big impact on Celtics games because they have apparently moved on from LeGarrette Blunt, which... I think it's devastating. How many times did we see him just storm across the floor after a game, just like he owns the place, and go up and just get into this crazy, heated love fest with Isaiah Thomas, just all up in his face, saying whatever the hell he says. I'm going to miss that. I I think that Thomas-Blunt dynamic was so much fun this season. I'm kind of upset that that's not going to be around. Yeah, it, it's not that no other Patriots will go to games. Like, other Patriots will go to games. Like, Eric Blunt literally thought he was on the team. <laughs> yeah. Like, he showed up to a playoff game last year, and he didn't know he didn't know anyone on the Celtics. And he still talked his way into the locker rooms, like, celebrating with them after they won. So he, he just thought he was a member of the Boston Celtics. And you you got, you got to appreciate a guy like that who was just uh, – Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas both called him the ultimate hype man, uh, which which sounds about right. Like he is just pure energy, and he he will yeah. be missed at Celtics game. Legarrette Blunt was super Celtics fan. Yeah, even though he was didn't awesome. want to be called a super Celtics fan, he no, but he was that when I, when I called that to him. When I called him that, he was like, "No, nah, I'm just a big basketball fan." All right, well. Well, whatever. I he's, could argue he's with not... you, bro. You could whip my ass. <laughs> he's about that life. So, um, well, maybe we'll see him on the road, wherever it is that he ends up uh, playing. And then uh, one other thing I just want to mention, which I thought was hilarious, but I want to call out this douchebag in the Ooh, we got, Clippers. We got a, a douchebag call out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the video from the, the Clippers – Jazz with the two fans in the little rolling ball thing. Did you see that today? I did not. Did oh not my god! Two fans in the rolling ball. Search, search for it on Twitter, on YouTube. It's it's okay. Here's the setup, and you'll figure out what to search for. 
For those of you who have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's like one of those timeout events or halftime events where they put a couple oh, of fans. I, I saw in the big around Twitter and I was like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah, have yeah. enough time in my day to watch that crap. No, but this is this is great. So they put the the big like plastic ball and you got to like race the other fan to get to the other side. Whatever you win like a T-shirt. But the Clippers fan was like an adult. And the jazz fan was like this teenage girl. And the adult is winning. How, how old? It, it, I don't know. That's, the, that's it's, important. This that's is, important. When, when, you're, when you're competing. I feel like I don't, no, I, I don't know. I feel like this was an adult male who was somewhere in his 40s. And a, a, clearly a younger, and I think it was a girl. And he, he has a lead. And he decides... As he's progressing to basically take out the competition, he stops, he goes backwards, he bowls the girl over, and then goes back the other way. Like, he's going to win this race now because he's taken out the teenage girl, and now he's so proud of himself, he's going to go and win this prize. What makes this video so great is that the jazz mascot in the bear comes storming across like a WWE, like going into the ring to take it, you know, to take out somebody and just wipes this dude out, just comes flying in with this shoulder block that wipes this dude out. And I just want to say that douchebag got what was coming to him. I felt like that's kind of been bubbling in me all day. If you haven't seen you know the what? video, you know what? I'm on the douchebag side. Get out of here. I'm on the douchebag side. If, if you're in a competition, and and you're in like like they they were in like like protective walls they were in plastic but it wasn't like it was like a it's like a, a it blow up hamster ball so if you if you hit someone it doesn't hurt i i can't say i mean this you, person you, do you, do you, what you fall down do. you do what you wow. need to do to get the w and you know what the mascots are bs in this situation because no. because that wasn't part of this competition you know what this was this was a no holes barred race between, <laughs> between a, a forty year old guy and a, a teenage girl, and and he he did what he had to do to get the win, and and he got cheated, he got cheated no. out, of, out of the that, prize. I, I I'm watching I this. this I'm watching this gift right now. Mark, this guy Marcus Smart would have done just what that guy did. I'll tell you that much. No way. Marcus no Smart, way. Mark, he, Marcus. This Smart guy had a lead. Mascots too. Well, he would have come out of that thing and taken out the mascot afterwards. He's but he, this guy, way. this guy had this guy had a two ball lead. Now I'm, I think you know what the Clippers get what they deserve with this guy. I think he had, I think he's wearing a Lamar Odom jersey. So on top of everything, I could be wrong, but on top of everything, he's got an he's got an Odom jersey on, which just makes it worse. Nah, it makes it worse. Odom was a hell of a player. And really, Odom, Odom Odom seemed like a really good dude until he ran into some tough times. So, shout until out, he ran into a Kardashian. Shout out! Shout out to Lamar! Shout out to this guy, this ruthless, ruthless competitor. <laughs> I'm on his side, man. I gotta be on his side. No, Marcus no, Smart, terrible. Marcus Smart would have would have done the same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, well we're about we that leave, life. Before we leave, oh what. Al Horford what? has been great in this series. I just wanted to point that out. Al Horford <laughs> never gets enough credit. Al Horford 
has been fantastic randomly in this series. He has been. He's he's been great. He's averaging like 15, 10 and and 6. Like he is having a monster monster series and we, we never talk about Al Horford. And no. He's the reason why they're so damn tough to guard obviously besides Isaiah, but but his ability to space the floor and roll and pass, it opens up everything for their offense. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why the Bulls haven't been able to load up as much as they did last year, as much as the Hawks did last year on them. So shout yep. out to Horford. He, no, that's he, true. He we- deserves a lot of credit, and he doesn't always get as much credit as he deserves. And he's been rebounding like a fiend lately. Yeah, no, no, he's been he's been really really good, really good. Uh, and and again, game game three when they, they did all those stagger screens, he was reading them perfectly, and he benefited from all of that. And then yesterday. That he was he was open. If if Isaiah wanted to kick it back to Al for open threes, I mean he was he was right there waiting for for the ball in case Isaiah decided to pass. And yeah, he's been he's been really really good. He's been really good. And you know a bunch of those speaking of douchebags, there are people out there all over the place saying, "Well, oh, where's Al Horford this series?" Blah 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 blah. Like I I can't I can't believe. And there are people who are still like, eh, I don't know. He's okay, I guess. He's been, except for game two. He didn't have a great game two. Game two, but who had a great game two? So uh, I, I think, yeah, I think point well taken. Al Horford deserves uh, a lot of the credit. And and the best part about Al Horford is he won't take any of the credit. He'll um, just he'll just deflect it all. Yep. Just, just wants to okay. be great. Just wants to win. Just wants to win and be a good teammate. That's it. Uh, you and know he what? is. He he probably would have bowled over that fifteen year old girl too. If, if no, he, he would have he would have gotten out of the way and let the little girl win. <laughs> it's what's best for the team. <laughs> All right, that's it. Now I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you have not been a, become a subscriber of ours, uh, we wonder what you're waiting for because we keep on asking and you haven't done it yet. Uh, but we will say that we've got a lot, a lot of new listeners, uh, as as expected for the playoffs. We've got a lot of people who are, are tuning in a lot more. The numbers have been really, really good. We appreciate that. So all of you people who are listening that may not have listened during the regular season, might as well just subscribe. Subscribe right now. This way you won't miss. We're, we're going to be here no matter what happens to the Celtics. We'll be here throughout the playoffs. We'll be here for the draft. We'll be here for free agency. We'll have great guests. We'll we'll go and and really expand the the scope of the podcast as the off season moves on. So it's going to be a lot of great stuff. So you might as well just subscribe now, so you can get it directly on your phone or wherever you get your podcast, just delivered straight to you. Uh, if you do subscribe, then we hope that you rate us five stars and leave us a nice review, because this way the next people who come along, you will have just let them know. Yeah, this is cool. It's like leaving a review on Yelp or something like that. Let them know that this is a good place to come for your Celtics talk, the best place to come for your Celtics talk, and then, you know, that helps us out a little bit, and we will really appreciate that help. Okay. Uh, The next show will be our Wednesday pregame show before Game 5, so stick around for that. Thanks for listening. To the Locked On Celtics podcast, we are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are about that life.
Support for this podcast comes from NetSuite. NetSuite lets you see what's going on with your business in real time, from accounting to order management and much more. You've outgrown your business management software. Let NetSuite help. Go to netsuite.com slash podcast to get your free guide and find out why NetSuite is a leading business management solution for growing companies. Get up and running fast with NetSuite. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.